The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. Mark as recorded in chapter 2 verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there approached before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around. They no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And they were coming down the mountain. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God created Adam and Eve in his image. His image is holiness. Because there was no sin to separate them, God actually walked and talked with them in the garden. Then they fell into temptation and sinned against the Lord. They lost his image. They begat children in their own image. Unholiness. God cursed the earth and he actually hid himself. Not hidden the way, for example, the religion taught by the Masons teaches that God was like this divine watchmaker who wound it up and then went off and took a snooze and every now and then comes to check on us. No, he's still very active. He just hides himself through the work of others so that we have to look to see him. Every now and then, as he works through human beings and the vocations he's established, we get a glimpse of his glory. During the time of Moses, there were great miracles that the Lord worked. During the time of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, the height of miracles took place. And then there was the time of Christ and the apostles. We see a glimpse of that glory. God works through normal laws he established, but he's right there operating them. And so, for example, if you were to slide on a snowy morning and miss a car uh, and say, it was very lucky of me that I caught my traction at the last minute, you're giving credit to a pagan concept of luck. It was actually God's divine providence. He's hidden himself. So we actually have to use by faith to trust and see his hand working through the general principles. And God hid his godhood during the time that he interrupted history by taking on our human flesh. God is holiness. And if he had not hid his godhood behind his humanity, the very virgin that bore him would have been destroyed with him in the womb. Those eyes that looked upon him would have been destroyed. We don't see his glory as the Virgin Mary gets up in the middle of the night to wipe her baby's bottom. We don't see his glory as he hangs on the cross and men rival and spit on him. Oh, wait, actually, through the eyes of faith, we do see his glory because his glory is his grace at work to save us. And today we get a glimpse of that glory as he goes to that Mount of Transfiguration. Our text tells us after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. After six days from what? Jesus had asked the disciples, who do people say I am? And Peter, usually acting as the spokesman, said, some say Elijah, some say Moses, 
And, and they're all wrong. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you are Peter, chip of rock, upon this bedrock, that's the confession that he's the Christ, I will build my church. And then he proceeds to explain to them how he's going to build his church. He said, very soon I'm going to go up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over to the elders, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise for you. And Peter says, enough of this talk, surely not, Lord. And Jesus rebukes him, get thee behind me, Satan. For you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Men want worldly glory according to the ways of this world. Jesus takes these three men. He goes up to the mountain and he's praying. He often prays alone in solitude. And the men are tired and sleepy. When suddenly appearing before them in brilliant white, Moses and Elijah and Jesus himself is shining in that brilliant white. They get a glimpse of Jesus' hidden glory. Why? Why do Moses and Elijah appear? Moses had been God's instrument in leading the people out of Egypt and to the gates of the promised land. Moses uh, had been given the law through which we are told God's will. And sadly, we see that we fall short of it. So we see through that law that we need somebody to be holy in our place. When God had spoke to the Israelites on Mount Sinai, it shook and the Israelites were terrified. And they said to Moses, you go talk to God for us. So God says, that's good. So Moses was an intercessor. He talked to God for the people and the people for God. We need an intercessor. Moses pointed ahead to Jesus, who is our intercessor, true God and true man. Who better to talk to us for God than God himself? And talks to us his word, which we have recorded in the Bible, so that we can know our sins are forgiven. Our epistle lesson told us that when Moses was in the presence of God, when he walked away, he had that glory. Uh, it wasn't his own glory, it was the glory of the Lord, but it would fade away. So he covered it with the veil so the people wouldn't focus on it fading away. You see, the law shows us God's holiness, but it can't make us holy. Our sinful nature cannot see God's holiness apart from his word and his Holy Spirit working through that word so that we believe. God's glory is his grace, that he would suffer the punishment for you and I in our place, that he would rule through his word in time and history to bring you to his word so that his Holy Spirit would make you believe in that word so you could say, Amen, my God died on the cross for me and rose victorious as my substitute. Why Elijah? Elijah was a great reformer. The people had turned and were worshiping Baal in droves. In fact, at one point in time in his ministry, Elijah gets depressed. He thinks he's the only believer left in that northern kingdom. God reveals to him again on Mount Sinai, I have reserved 7,000 knees that have not bowed to Baal, but remain in faith toward me. God's glory was hidden through the faith of those people too. Now, there's something else Elijah and Moses have in common. There are two men in the Bible who did not suffer death. Enoch and Elijah, uh, Enoch before the flood and Elijah is taken up to heaven and God spares him the separation of his soul from his body. Moses did die, but God hid his body from the devil. There's a church today. We were trying to reform it. It's existed for a long time. We were trying to reform it. That led to the Reformation. 
that will worship sliver bones of saints and think if they pray to them, they're their intercessor instead of Jesus. So imagine how the devil could have used Moses' body because God had worked so many miracles through Moses. So God took special care with Moses' body and Elijah's. And there's a special comfort for us here. God's going to take care of your body. You see... The disciples had never met Moses before. They'd never met Elijah before. And yet they were able to recognize them. When you go to heaven, you will be recognized. When Christ returns and reunites us with our new and glorified bodies, we will know each other. We will have that glory too. But Moses and Elijah both foretold the word of God. They were prophets. And all this takes place to show that Jesus fulfills the scriptures. He's the intercessor. He's the one Moses said, a prophet's going to come after me who's greater than me. You must listen to him. Elijah's work was to point to God as Savior. And here is the Savior. And we get this seal of approval as God the Father speaks. He says, this is my son. Listen to him. God spoke a few times in Jesus' ministry. Normally, when God speaks, it's actually Jesus who does the talking because he is the word. But at Jesus' baptism, when he was sealed with the Holy Spirit, which confirmed this is the one God's anointed to be Savior. Not you or I, no one else, this one. God the Father spoke to make it very clear, this is my son. And here, we're three months away before Jesus goes to Jerusalem to be crucified. He's going to begin a long journey down to Jerusalem. And he gives the disciples this glimpse. This is my son. There's no doubting. There's no need to worry. This is the Savior. Listen to him. They see that godly glory shining through. But this was all done to give them comfort and to encourage. In fact, on their way down, Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone except for the time when the Son of Man would rise from the dead. Hint, hint, Peter. Hint, hint, James. Hint, hint, John. When they see Jesus hanging on the cross, John is the only disciple who is not so afraid that he stays completely away. John will come to the foot of the cross. They should have known this is the Father's will. Jesus had told us he was going to die and rise again. They should have known. And instead, they're dumbfounded when the tomb is empty. Jesus sends them the Holy Spirit, an extra measure, who reminds them of these things, and then they go, now I get it. And then they start telling the world this wonderful comfort for you and I. Even months before his crucifixion, he said it was going to happen. And he let these disciples see his godly glory so that they would know, you might not see it hanging on the cross, but this is the God-man who is at work for your salvation. He has the Father's seal of approval. And when your sinful nature wants to lie to you and tell you you haven't been good enough or sorry enough to be saved, you can remember God the Father once again gave His seal of approval because He rose Christ from the grave, showing when He said it's finished, He said that on the cross, all the work for your redemption and salvation was complete. The receipt is the empty tomb. So today, maybe we don't get to see the glimpse of God's glory the way those disciples did. And yet God is glorified through you. Just as he told the disciples, don't tell people yet. But once it happens, get out there and cry it out. So you do. You do this in your daily lives. It's snowing today. You're at church. Your neighbor knows you came. 
They, they see God's glory shining out. Now, at that time, the people, they were expecting an earthly king. They wanted worldly glory, a king who would come and put a whooping on the Romans and chase them out of town. In fact, even after Jesus rises and he appears to the disciples, Peter says, Lord, are you going to put a whooping on them Romans now? That's worldly glory. Jesus makes it clear his kingdom's not of this world. And yet you are part of that kingdom because when you have faith, you're in his kingdom of grace and God's glory is shining through. It's the new man, the new woman in your heart that the Holy Spirit creates. Every time you struggle with your sinful nature, God's glory is seen. Every time you fall into sin and you trust in salvation, knowing your sins are forgiven, God's glory is shining like a beacon. Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, before we begin the Lent season where we focus heavily on our sin and our need for a Savior, we get a glimpse of Jesus' hidden glory to show that He is the one to whom all Scripture testify. He fulfills Scriptures. To show His Father's seal of approval. This was the plan of the Trinity to save you, and it had God's approval, and God did approve of it. And to comfort and encourage us, as it did the disciples, in knowing our Savior, our intercessor, is the God-man. God's glory may be hidden, but He's revealed it to you, so you know you are saved. Amen. And now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.